Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Joining me on the phone, it is a drummer, Carmine. Now, his last name is either Apice or Apache. I don't really know. It's one of the two. But the most important thing was that in 1978, he played on Paul Stanley's record. The rest doesn't really matter. Paul Stanley's record. Uh, Alan, I know you want to get in this. Uh, everybody, bonjour to Alain, uh, Mr. Alan Niven. Uh, good day, Alan. I know you want to talk this Paul Stanley solo album. So um, what was your favorite cut on that album that Carmine played on? Was it Tonight You Belong to Me or Move On or which one? Which one? I'm just I'm curious. Well, I'd have to say, first of all, good morning. <laughs> and secondly, I would say that as far as, far as Carmen Apache's uh, uh, curriculum vitae, um, it is very extensive and only goes up from the low of appearing on a Paul Stanley record. And it go, the amazing thing about Carmen Apici is not just his talent, but the fact that every time I see a photo of him, I look at him and I go, does this guy never age? I mean, he was playing in major, major bands when I was a nipper, when I was a little lad in England running around in the countryside. Um, I first became aware of him with a band called Vanilla Fudge that I kind of took a shine to. Then he moved on to a band called Cactus, which was uh, promising. And then he was in uh, Beck, Bogart, and Apici, BBA, with Jeff Beck and Tim Bogart, who was in Vanilla Fudge with him. And I can recall seeing them when I was a nipper uh, back at the Oxford Polytechnic back in the United Kingdom. And they were stunning. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been playing in in major major bands and on major records for years. Since uh, I, he well he must he must have been in Noah's Ark, you know if you remember that band. Yeah, and and uh, do you think I'm sexy? Uh, don't answer that. Uh, that's a song he wrote. I was going to say, uh, very famous for for Rod Stewart, incredible, incredible, incredible. Um, yeah, that was. A, there was that appalling moment that felt like... Oh, my God. Um, Such a good song. A betrayal. It felt like total betrayal when the likes of Mick Jagger and Rod Stewart decided to go disco because they were terrified they were going to lose their uh, following. And instead, it put a big dent in, in, in the validity of who they were as artists. Um, do you think I'm sexy? And, and oh, give me a break. I mean, just awful stuff. It's you know, if you want to know stuff. who Rod Stewart, if you want to know who Rod Stewart is, you go back to Gasoline Alley. That is a brilliant record. Um, Every picture tells a story is a, a really brilliant record too. Please don't hold. Do you think I'm sexy against Rod Stewart? Because he actually cut some really amazing stuff. <clears throat> he made a, a brilliant record with uh, Jeff Beck called Truth. Um, those are real records. Disco. Oh my God. You know. Give me a break. Uh, disco's like punk. You only have to hear two or three tracks and you've heard the whole thing. Now, uh, Alan, uh, uh, you know, hold me, touch me, think of me when we're apart. Uh, a song on the Paul Stanley album, by the way. Uh, these, these are great titles. Uh, but just real quick, uh, the album also had guitarist Bob Kulik on it. Bob was a friend of mine for the last six months. We spoke almost every single day on the phone. Uh, about uh, David Glenn Isley, about uh, SpongeBob, about Sweet Victory. 
about his time with uh, the, the Kiss Camp and, and playing on Alive 2. And I just want to take a moment just to to say may he rest in peace. It, it was a, a great, great loss uh, for me personally and, of course, for music fans. And so just a, just a quick moment to say rest in peace uh, to Bob and, of course, uh, Bob and Carmine on the same album. You just know the musicianship is fantastic. Uh, anyway... Um, any quick words on Bob? Uh, Alan, did, did you ever get a chance to meet him out in that L.A. scene? Was he ever at the Whiskey or the Rainbow or the whatever, and, and you bumped into him? No, but I seem to remember meeting his brother briefly when he was playing in Kiss. Um, you know, there's, uh, when somebody passes, one, one can only pause and think of them for a moment and rue their passing and... and hope that those that he loved and who loved it <clears throat> loved him are dealing with the situation okay um yeah and you know yeah and, and at my I, age too i i have to accept that uh you know we're no longer <coughs> pardon me no longer all, all 30 and, and, and just um, uh i just want to interrupt for a second just say uh, one of the reasons that we're doing this interview is that uh, carmine and Vinny put out a song called Monsters and Heroes, and they made a video of it recently, which is a tribute to Ronnie James Dio. And we are on the 10th anniversary or the 10th year of Ronnie's passing. And so uh, as we listen to the interview and we hear Carmine talk about Bob, of course the interview was, uh, the talk about Ronnie, I should say, of course the interview was recorded before we got the news of Bob's passing, which is why it's not mentioned, but I'm sure he would have had some great words to say. But on that, let us listen to a Carmine talk about uh, Ronnie and the great words he has to say on that. And folks, do head over to YouTube and check out Monsters and Heroes, a, a tribute, an Apici or an Apice tribute to Ronnie James Dio. Here is the one, the only Carmine. We are speaking with the legendary drummer Carmine. <coughs> Peace. Uh, bonjour, Kaimar. How are you? Bonjour. Fermez la bouche. Fermez. Wait. Wait. Exactement. But uh, it's it's been a it's been a while. We we haven't spoken. I think in about a year. We've done we've done yep. interviews for what was that album? X rated. Rated X. Rated X. Right. And rated and, X. On a, did we do anything for my Guitar Zeus record? Maybe. I think we did Guitar Zeus. Uh, yeah. There was a that was time. that might have been last year. That would have been like in 2019. Yep. And, January, uh, February, so just about a year. The the uh, the apiece or Apache Brother tours with Jim Crean and yeah, all, the, all that yeah. stuff. So a lot of good stuff. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. let us focus on some stuff that we perhaps haven't spoken about before. Uh, but first, okay. though, uh, May sixteenth, twenty twenty, you released to YouTube a tribute to Ronnie James Dio with Jim Artie Dillon. And of course, your brother Vinny. Uh, talk to me about putting that and, video. And, yeah. and James Caputo on bass. Oh, I forgot James. Yes, and and lyrics yeah. by Paul Shortino. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. Let's so get there. As you know that that track was on our uh, Sinister album, but the way it got on the Sinister album originally was recorded by King Cobra. We gave that song to Wendy Dio for Ronnie's cancer fund because it was about a year after Ronnie passed away that we did that. And she had it for five years. It came back to me. I got the rights back uh, after five years. And then uh, King Cobra went to Sweden, Rotfest, so we played that song. We recorded it live. So it was fresh in my head. 
and we got the deal from me and Vinny. And I said to Vinny, we should record this song. You know, with Paul being that he managed, Ronnie managed Paul and produced him. You played with him. He was my friend too. You know, it's a, a natural to put you on the on the track with King Cobra and let's release that. So we never really released it uh, on our album. So Vinny agreed. We did that. We did the video. And that became the biggest song on our album. You know, the video, uh, we had a lyric video and then we did a regular video. And, you know, we got a lot of good size hits on the album, uh, on the video and stuff. So three weeks ago, Vinny called me and said, why don't we do a, one of these lockdown videos? And now I'm calling them the Hollywood Squares video. <laughs> you know, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening. I'm okay, listening. okay, okay. I, I try just, not to went, interrupt. <laughs> I know, it went really si- it went really silent for a minute. So well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Here's a little secret. When uh, artists are talking, I have a tendency to want to jump in. So I put myself on mute. Ah, that's why. Okay. Smart. No problem. Okay. <laughs> but go ahead. The Hollywood right, Square so anyway, videos. The Hollywood Square videos. So we, uh, he said, you know, and let's do, let's do um, something with the Drum Wars uh, show. Let's use the Drum Wars band with Jim and, and everybody. And I said, well, what song? He said, well, let's do Monsters and Heroes. I said, okay, good. So then we hung up, and we, so Vinny said, I'll, I'll start it off. I'll do the click. I'll play to the original take, and then I'll send it to Artie. I said, great. Then he called me the next day, and we're talking. We're saying, you know, we should do this for some reason, not just to do it. Like, everybody's just doing it just because they're locked down, and their manager said to do it. So let's do it for a reason. So Vinny said, well, you know, in two and a half weeks, it's the 10-year anniversary of Ronnie's passing. And I didn't know that. And I said, a lot of people probably don't know that, you know, and it's probably a lot of people are not even going to hear about it. I said, so why don't we do that? Let's, and we'll make it a tribute to Ronnie. And, and Vinny says, yeah, we should, well, let's do that. And then I said, well, let's hire somebody, a PR person to put some interviews together. This way, you know, we can make something of it. And, and you know, the more people that can hear it, They'll have Ronnie on their lips. They'll have Ronnie in their eyes. Ronnie in their in their ears, and they'll they'll a lot more people will know about that. It's his ten year anniversary, and he's such a nice guy. He died young. His legacy should live on, and you know this will this will help, and it'll give us a purpose to do the video. So we both agreed. So that's what we did, and we hired John Lappin, the PR guy, to put together interviews, man, he's done an amazing job because we've done so many interviews today alone. I must've done eight. Yeah. I got one more later, but yesterday I had seven, you know, Vinny had, and then Vinny's doing them too. So he must have six or seven a day and wow. five a day. Last week, we must've done 30 videos, uh, interviews between us, you know, and it's going great. Everybody loves, loves the video. And somebody said today, can somebody buy the MP3? I said, no, we're not selling anything on this video. We, you know, on this thing, we're just doing it for fun, and we're doing it for Ronnie, just to pay tribute to a friend and a great artist. You know, an incredible artist. So I'm going to ask you two things. Do you see yourself maybe in in a couple of weeks or in a month doing another video with? Uh, you know, a man on the mountain or something, just, just sort of pay tribute to Ronnie that way. 
No, we never we ne- didn't really think about that because we've see the good thing about using the drum was band. We played this song many times live, right? So everybody knew the song and all that. To do what you're talking about, we'd have to find you know if, even if these guys and we'd have to rehearse somehow, you know, because you know nobody we never played that song. Do do you think that these uh, Hollywood Square lockdown videos are are here to stay, or is this just a passing fad while we go through this pandemic? Well, it's funny because I was mentioning that today on one interview that this video came out so good that we're mixing a new Cactus record now, and I'm thinking, you know, for the price of one normal video, I could probably do five of these videos like this. But even in some of the screens, we could put things in it. We could put lyrics. Or we could put, you know, something that has scenery, some, dogs, do. cats, scenery, whatever. Yeah. dogs, cat, anything. Yeah. You know, and even have a green screen. Put everybody buy a green screen and do it that way. And you can instead of doing one video for an album, you can do five. You know, be great. And it would be a good idea. As long as you see, we, we did it. I think we did it a little different than most people have been doing it because we, instead of having it uh, where the camera's on the guy and the drummer, the bass player, the guitar player, and it just stays there, you know? But we had the cameras, the scenery moving with the song, which really gave an energy to the video itself. And it kept the energy of the song that we had going. It kept it all together and it kept the the whole piece had a great energy then versus if we would have just kept five screens and we played the song, it would have looked okay and sounded good, but it looks much better with the scenery moving. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I fully agree. Uh, I do want to ask you about this because on um, April 25th, I posted on Twitter on this day, the Blue Murder album comes out and I added a little comment of, hey, you guys should get together and do something else. And you replied actually and said, well, hey, if you can phone John, I'm in. Um, (laughs) Right? Which I I thought was a great little comment. And trust me, your little comment ended up getting like a hundred extra comments from fans or 200. It was, it set, it set the Twitter world on fire, which I thought was good. Um, but, but, but just talk to me about that. Cause we, we've gone over this before. It, it is a frustration that you had this magical band and then one of the parts just, mm, right. It, <laughs> yeah. You just won't do it. You know, and, I mean, and it's, it's just, it's sad. What is it? Because the band, even when we got together a couple of years ago and just played at John's house, he didn't sing, but we played and it just had the magic. Now, I'm not. I don't. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he's insecure about the vocals because you know we're talking about a long time ago. Maybe he can't sing up high like that. I know. I my voice, you know, started changing when I was his age. You know, and uh, you know, I don't know if if it's that or what it is. But the, when we played together, it was magic. And then last year, a year ago, I, I met him at the uh, Heavy Metal Hall of Fame, and he was supposedly finished an album and he was releasing and Tony was going to go on tour with him with some young black drummer. And I met the drummer and John said, can you meet the drummer? He said, he's a total freak fan of you. And I said, sure. So I met him. I said to John, look, when you're done with this and you know, maybe we can finally 
get this out of your system. Maybe you could finally go on the road and do some gigs with Blue Murder as Blue Murder because the audience would love to see that. And he said, yeah, well, maybe when I'm done with this. And, and then I find out he had a problem with the label and that record never came out. And the whole year went by and nothing happened. And now here we are, you know, five months into the new year and still nothing happening. And Tony was playing, going to play with him. I said, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. Forget it. Nothing's happening. So I don't know what the yeah, deal is. You know, I really don't know. I mean, I just love to keep playing and keep doing things. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's a shame. And and if it is a, an insecurity, he doesn't have to worry about it. I think fans are willing to accept the band doing whatever you have to do, tune it down, sing them slower, whatever. I don't think. Yeah. I think they just want to see you play. I, I you know. I know. I mean, I, I don't get it. You know. I mean, I could see if he thinks, uh, you know, the band sucked, but we played together and it was uh, incredible. I mean, you know, me and Tony, you know, we went on to do that whole Katazu series. You know, that's the closest thing you're going to get to Blue Murder, you know, is that those albums, because even had Kelly Keeling on that sang on the second album on that song, I'm on Fire. What a song that is on that second album. Oh, my God. And it was me, Tony, Kelly and, and, and John, it was it was it was murder, you know? So, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't think it's ever going to happen. And the uh, the live album is, is to die for, but I don't think you were playing on that one. That was Tommy or something playing on that one. Yeah, that was a guy named Tommy, but, you know. But still. Uh, there was nothing like, I mean, we, we there's some videos of uh, Blue Murder Live in Tokyo that me and Tony found, and we both watched, and we... And we both called each other. And said, oh my God, man! How tight were we? How amazing was that? We were unbelievable that night, you know. And we were because you know it's been so long. I forgot what the show was, and things kept hitting me in the face. And I'm going, wow, wow, wow! You know, it was awesome. But you know, it's just uh, it wasn't like that with with when he played with um, Malcolm Mendoza, who's a great, tremendous, a tremendous talent, great singer. And great bass player, and this guy Tommy, he was he was okay, you know. He was drumming. He obviously learned a bunch of my fills, you know, to do this thing. But it just didn't have that feel, you know. No, it's all about it's all about the feel, you know. We had a total English feel with Blue Murder, and and his second Blue Murder didn't have that feel. Matter of fact, when he took it to Japan, people didn't like it to the point where he had to change the name of the band to Sykes. He because, did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because the people, the, the fans were like, this isn't Blue Murder. You know, they said, this is something else. It's not Blue Murder. Because they were, you know, really big fans of ours there, you know. And, and you have to, you, you have to account for initial chemistry. You know, when you look at Aerosmith or you look at Kiss and you look, there, there was yep. something about the original lineup. Everything. Every, exactly. Every band. Uh, anyway. You either have magic or you don't have the magic. You know, when I played with Pat Travick, we had Travis, we had a magic, you know, uh, Cactus had a magic, BBA, we had a magic, you know, uh, and, and sometimes like KGB, we didn't have a magic. It never happened. You know, another band I did with Ray Gomez and Jeff Berlin, it was good, but it didn't have the magic. It didn't happen. You know, so when you get something that has the magic. You know, and you get it on record and you get a proper release or proper promotion. People feel that magic and it does well, you know. Like Blue Murder to me was 
was just like BBA. Matter of fact, when we went to Japan, they did an article on us and they said, other great legendary trios, you know, other great legendary trios, Blue Murder, The Cream, Beck Bogart and The Peace. So I was in the new one and the old one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, 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 yeah, anyway, it's, it's, it's too bad. And I hope that he comes out of retirement before the end of, uh, you know, the end of the end of it all and just gets back to it. I'll, I do want to ask you about the uh, Ready to Strike album by uh, King Cobra real quick. I was talking right. to Victor Langan, who's in Kick-Axe. Okay, yeah. And he was talking to me about how he had written all these songs for a Kick-Axe album, and Spencer took them and handed them over to King Cobra without telling him. Is that sort of how you remember it? That No, it's no. only one song, only one song. Okay, so Hunger, but what about the other yeah. one, the uh, Pieces of Rock that had a, a Langan credit on it as well? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that he had a credit on it. I, he didn't. I didn't. He didn't mention that it was uh, a Kickax song. Uh, Spencer just said, "Hey, these, this song, which this is the single. This is the single." So yeah, he was the producer. So we listened to him. He just did the Quiet Riot record, sold five million records, using my drum sound I created there <laughs> at Pasha. Uh, yeah, I went in there and created this drum sound with Wayne Barron. The first people that used it were Quiet Riot. And then I used it with me and Rick Derringer in the DNA record. But the Quiet Riot record, you know, sold five million albums. You know, but we didn't know. I, I didn't realize that this uh, piece of the rock was uh, from the same guy. Yeah, but I could see him doing that because he, he signed these guys and, and he signed to the point where he owned the publishing, you know, and... Uh, so him as a publisher was pushing songs that he owned, you know, on us. Of course. As well, but all the other songs we wrote, I believe. Uh, Breaking well, out, let me see. I, strike, Shadow Rider. I have uh, him in front of me. So let's see. Tough yeah. guys. Tough guys. Yeah, everything's uh, got either a, a proffer credit or a King Cobra as a band credit. So. Yeah, well, Proffer always stuck his neck in it, his face in it. <laughs> of stuck course. Stuck his face in it. Um, let me just pick up we, on something. We some... used to call him Spencer Prophet. Well, listen, he, he did make a, 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 a killing for himself doing this stuff. He but did, he did. He when did. you when you talk about a drum sound for Quiet Riot, what, what do you mean? So, so you went in and sort of you set up the studio yeah, and set up I, the room? Yeah, you you didn't did, play I on did, it. No, I did okay. an album. I did an album for... Uh, with Ted Nugent. I brought Ted Nugent into that album, into that studio, Pasha. And then the drum sound we got out at the end of it, I didn't like. So after we did that album, I went in with Wayne Barron. I said, first of all, it's too padded up in here. We got to put some wood on the walls. So we brought in a bunch of plywood and we got to put the drums here, not in that drum booth, put the drums here like I used to do with Andy Johns at Cherokee with Rod. And then have the sound bounce off the window from on the, the studio window, and put the room mics where the drum booth was, and we compress it and do this and do that, use these mics, and I went through a whole rigmarole and I experimented for days with him till we got the really good drum sound in the room, and on tape, and then when they recorded Quiet Riot, they used my drum technique to get the drum sound for, okay. for Frankie Benelli. So I used to bust Frankie's chops and say, hey, dude, you got you got my drum sound on your record. That's so five million. He goes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know? OK, so uh, so that's the Nugent album that uh, he did in 82. Uh, yes. 
Yes. Uh, since you mentioned Frankie real quick, have you spoken to Frankie recently? I know that he announced that he has pancreatic cancer, and then lately he said that he's been in the hospital three weeks out of the last six weeks. Oh, I haven't spoken to him lately. The last time I saw him was at the NAM show, and he was out doing better. He was jamming. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know he's been in the hospital the last three weeks. The last three weeks? Well, uh, he, he posted on Facebook that he was three of the last six weeks. So 50% of the time he's been in. And, oh, and he posted a sad. picture of him with no hair, completely bald. Oh, and, it, it, you know, it, it breaks my heart. And, and he put out a, a GoFundMe link because he needs to, to, to help pay for the treatment. Oh, and, my God. Yeah, and it's just, it, oh. it's heartbreaking. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, uh, I got to what is it? Go fund me, Frankie Benelli. Uh, what you know what? I'll look it up and I, I will text it over to you after. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he set up a GoFundMe and it, oh man, it, it, I, I'm, come on, the guy he's been leading Quiet Riot. They getting good money and everything. Doesn't he have health insurance? I don't know what. How his, old uh, is he? How old is he? Is he? How old is he? Do you know? Yeah, uh, you know what. The good thing about doing this in front of a computer is I can look it up right away. I believe look he's, I think he's 67 he's, or something. Hold on here. Look. He should have Medicare. Why would he have expenses? Well, you know, they're doing the, the, the cancer treatment. I mean, I can't speak for him, but they're doing the cancer treatment. And I'm, I'm gathering that it's no, very, very expensive. It says uh, here that he was born in 51. So he would be uh, about 69. Yeah, he'd be 67. Yeah, he should, he should have Medicare and the secondary. Maybe you don't have the secondary. Yeah, I don't know. Some of my friends, uh, like Dwayne Hitchings, had Medicare, and I had to lend him $15,000 so he can pay off the medical bills. I said, dude, don't you have a secondary? He goes, no. I go, get the freaking secondary. Cost you two or 300 bucks a month, and you'll have a secondary. Now, as a Canadian, I I don't understand that language. So when you say a secondary, that means like a a second... Policy? Yes. In other words, Medicare pays 80% gotcha. of all your medical. And then you buy a secondary, like I have Blue Shield. You know, you pay, I pay like $300 a month. It started out at 150 As you get older, it gets more expensive, you know. But you get that, and, and they pay the other 20% and and some other things. When I had a problem in Europe. They, they paid the Europe, uh, a bunch of the Europe, because uh, Medicare didn't. They don't, they don't pay out of the country, Medicare, you know, but, uh, you know, so you get a secondary that, that, so when you go to the doctor, have surgeries, you don't pay anything. Like I just got a, I had a surgery done a a couple of months ago. I was taken to the hospital in an ambulance and I've had these nosebleed problems. It's in my book and I still get them and, and I have to have a surgery when I get them. So I was taken there and I just got a bill from the fire department for, I don't know, $1,300. I said, so I called him. I said, well, we don't have your insurance on file. I said, oh. So I gave them the insurance so that my insurance should take care of it. You know, that's what it's for. So I don't know why Frankie should be on Medicare, you know, and he should be, uh, if he has any, you know, if he knew about it, he should have the secondary. Yeah. Some musicians don't. But Frankie's always been a pretty good businessman, I thought. And, you know, and he's, again, he's the one that ran quite right he owned the name i'm sure he made the majority of the money of all the gigs and they did a lot of gigs for big money 
you know, he still gets his royalties from his records that sell, airplay and everything else, I'm sure, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't know why he, and then they did that documentary, he did that cheap, he sold it to Showtime, you know, I'm not sure uh, who made the money on that, but I don't understand why he did a, a GoFundMe, you know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure of the the specifics. I, I'm just assuming that is that the treatments are exceptionally expensive, and at some point, the insurance is just not covering it. It's 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 just going too fast. And anyway, uh, if you do oh. have a chance, uh, you should give him a give him a shout. I'm going to give a I'm going to give him a call. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I I don't want to you just to, you know move on from from this uh, but I do I, I am going to ask you quickly about something that you were with him on and we bring we'll tie it all together here in aid um you did some backing vocals it was Ronnie's project Frankie was on it yeah um just just a quick memory of that project and as a fan I'm frustrated that it's not made available now where you can go buy a CD and you can I would love to see it put out, put back out there, and maybe now the hearing aid could go to help crews that aren't working right now, and, and sound men, and and maybe yeah. guys like Frank, because it was a charity CD. Yeah, let's put you it back out. Him. Well, I think I yeah. think Wendy, you know, Wendy was in charge of that. Yeah, you know, she, she she'd be the one to talk to, but you know, I think she's more into the the deal cancer fund than into that. You know. I, that's my gut on it. Well, well you could uh, you could even you know, use hearing aid to uh, to donate to the Dio Cancer Fund. I mean, I, I think fans, yeah, I think yeah, fans just yeah. want to buy it. <laughs> quite frankly, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe uh, you should call her and, and, or email her and tell her that. You know, yeah, maybe I, yeah. You know what? I think I will. But but what was that like for you? I mean, you, I, you didn't have a big part in it, you, but you it was an event. Yeah, well, and, well, it was fun uh, because. We were on tour with King Cobra at the time, and I had to fly in specifically to do that from wherever I was. And, uh, you know, when I went in, you know, everybody was there. It was a lot of fun, everybody in the studio. And, you know, seeing Riley, my brother, played on it with Frankie. You know, I was sorry I couldn't play on it, but I wasn't around. And I just came in to do that singing part and do all the photos and all the press and and the videos, you know, doing the the King Cobra sign with my hands, you know, and uh, and it was fun, you know, and it was great to see everybody together in one room, you know, raising, you know, raising money for for hearing aid, you know. Yeah, just an absolute great project. Listen, we'll 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 leave it on that because that's a good place to stop with a tribute to what Ronnie does and and your video and and sort of it puts a nice bow on the whole interview. Uh, as always, uh, Monsieur, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Okay, okay. That sounds great. And uh, hopefully we'll talk when the uh, Cactus Record comes out. Yeah, okay. absolutely. You know how to reach me. And uh, I you will send it. you that, that info right away. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.